a story Fill up the pages Sing a little song Keep me around Keep me with you Right by your night sand Keep me around As long as you can Alright Should I start us off with a song this week? No or Should I just jump into it? Why a song? Why not a song? Because it already starts with a song well, I mean, that's a fair point Alright, well welcome everybody to this week's fantastic episode of ADD Storytelling. It's season two, episode three. As always, my name is Tucker, and I'm joined by our diaphanous neurodivergent hostess, Maddie. How's it going, Maddie? Hi. How are you feeling today? <laughs> High energy? No, I'm still super shaky and blah from my, con- like, what do you call it? Chronic illness? Yeah, that's, that's the term usually applied to what you're dealing with yeah yeah so it's got you got you feeling a little low energy yeah but i'm doing okay right now so that's good don't worry i'll be the pep in the stuff that you're missing out on right now you can okay. lean on me like a crutch you can be really peppy for me i'm sure oh yeah I've, I've, i'm feeling it right now there's something just about sunday afternoon lays that i'm gonna be able to channel and kind of transmute into just the most energetic performance of our short but hot podcasting career. <laughs> short and hot. I'm gonna bring the fury today. <laughs> okay. So what are we talking about? This actually came partially from you. Oh, as your most recommendation. Good too. Um, this is a book that I got Tucker for Christmas. It was my birthday. Birthday, some gift that Tucker recommended about condition poison. Just like a folklore study of it anyway. Yeah, it's a really awesome um, grouping of essays by Pry Anuman Rajadong, who is essentially the, I probably mispronounced his wonderful name, but he is the essentially the preeminent historian of Thai culture and history from the early 20th century. He coalesced all of the disparate stories and local folktales and regional histories of the country into one grouping of material that hadn't been done up until that point. So he's a really interesting individual in his own right, but this book that Maddie got me is a collection of all of his writings and essays that he collected from literally walking across the entire country and talking to the peoples of every region and city and homestead. Essay on Thai folklore is the first source. The second source that we're using today is called Healing with Poisons, Potent Medicines in Medieval China by Yan Liu. So, yes. So, then, what would you say today's theme is, Maddie? Poison. Ah. And like interesting historical context of poisoning and healing with poisons and poison and antidotes and stuff like that. I like healing with poison. Yes. It's essentially like hair of the dog. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Fighting poison with poison. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Vaccines. That's not poison, though. <laughs> No. It's just more of the virus. Yeah. Little teeny bits of virus. So, we'll start with delayed poisoning, which is from the Thai folklore book. And I'm going to use the real book as my reference while I'm doing it, so you may hear paper. That's some, that's some good ASMR there. That's pretty crazy paper. Okay. Pre- explain that. 
How's this paper? Crazy. Well, it's very thin. It is actually. It's shockingly thin, and it's fun because it was. It looks like it was uh, like set manually. Because sometimes the typeface will be off in little ways. Yeah. It's a very cool old book. Anyway, conditioned poison is a translation of the Thai word yasang meaning literally ordered or directed medicine, or in this particular instance, it means poison, if taken, will become operative only during certain conditions as ordered or directed in the formula. So yeah. This is fascinating. It's such an interesting take on the process of poisoning an individual that I've never seen like, kind of reflected elsewhere. If someone takes this kind of poison, they will eventually die in a specific period of time or when partaking specific certain foods as conditioned by the poison. In all of this chapter, the author speaks in sort of like a, I guess he talks in a personal manner. He's like, in my boyhood days, I heard tale of this thing. And well, then I went over there and I talked to people and then this yeah. is what I got. It's a really, I love, there's so many <laughs> so quirky aspects to this book. But yeah, I, I love that a lot of it's just kind of reminiscing. Um, but then he does speak in a lot of hypotheticals when he's relaying um, tales told to him by people where it's like a big time secret as to like how this shit works and what the specific ingredients in these poisons are. Yeah. So there's a lot of, that's where I said uh, plausible deniability. There's a lot of people I feel like that he talked to to compile this. That was just like, well, I could tell you about it in theory. Mm. I don't know how you do it, but not to say that I ain't done it several hundred times to people that have wronged me at Kmart. So... This is supposed to be prevalent somewhere in outlying districts where rustic people lived in Thailand, specifically. If a villager, or, sorry, not a villager, if a voyager would head into or a voyeur. one of these areas, they would then um, be advised to kind of look at what they're eating and drinking because they might be randomly poisoned by yasang just to see how potent it is on outsiders. Because, yeah, you kind like, of test people... it on people that don't have any, like, ties to the area. Yeah. If you're going missing, I mean, especially in a rainforest setting, you can die from a litany of things out there. So who's to say it's my poison? Could have right. been that, that tree's poison. Could have been that gecko's poison. Normally. That poisonous orangutan over there. There's lo loads of shit in Thailand that can kill you. Otherwise, Normally, you know Thai means free? So it's free land. Normally, yasang oh. would be administered solely in vengeance to a person who had done an injurious wrong to the owner of the poison. So it's well-guarded secret that only a few people know. So the author is like, I got a secret formula, and there is the hearsay that I can tell you about this formula. I thought he didn't even... You're going to tell me. You're going to tell us. See, this is why I'm not allowed to know the information early. Yeah, because you interrupt constantly if and you I'm... think you know what you're talking about. Oh. I'm not saying that you don't know what you're talking about. I'm saying, like, when you know the information, you interrupt constantly. That's fine. I'm just suturing up for you. You stab me. Stab me in the back there. Hold on a minute. Ah, I tied the last one off. We're good. All right. Let's keep, let's keep going. Are you actually mad at me? Should I stop? No, you're fine. Okay, can't tell when you're joking. I'm not going to mention where the provinces are because this is all hearsay anyway, so there's really no point in saying the random localities that he says. But there are a couple types of poisons from this class. So there's one called the yapit, yapit, not sure, poison. It's made from a certain genus of plants called wan plants, powdered and mixed with cobra, possibly. This is where it gets really good. I love these mixtures. And it's a mixed powder in a spirituous liquor, and whoever drinks it will suffer great pain and die within four to five hours. 
unless the right antidote against the poison is given. Number two is stomach destroying poison. <laughs> I love that name. It's and it has so Thai right next to it, which I can't read. And this is made by a subsection of the poisonous wine plant, which grows in the highland jungle. And there's a complicated ritual that goes along with it. But this is when eating a specific food, the ground, bone, or dried smoked flesh of poultry, usually, is given like a poisonous herb powder. And the duration of the poison, like whenever it could come up, is between 7 and 120 days, which is insane. Yeah. Um, Kinda... And if they don't die, then they'll just be physically or mentally impaired for the rest of their life. You really hedge your bets with this poison. Yeah. 7 to 120 days is a bit of middle ground. And then saying you might not die anyway. And the last one is intoxicating or fumigative poison. So it's also prepared from a wine plant mixed with the food the victim is partaking. And it will put the person in a morbid state of drowsiness or profound sleep within a specific time from 1 to 10 hours relative to the strength and amount of poison. So, and that is come from a jungle toad. Yeah. Skin. And that someone has to like too? smoke over a fire and try not to avoid yeah, and, and he, try not to inhale the smoke when they're doing it. Which that, you know, that's come about through trial and error. There have been several people that have been like, Jim, go work on this poison real quick and then sit and just ride down downwind. Passing the fuck out. It just reminds me of like a video game mechanic, you know? Yeah. You shoot your poison dart into the brazier and the smoke wafts over. As far as the wine plant plant goes, Mm -hmm. um, apparently you only need the rootstock of it, and it powders into this white-yellow or reddish-white color. Which, once again, there's a lot of moments here where it's it's specific, yet entirely non-specific, because those are two, that's a range of color. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, in the country, folk keep it in a quill of a fowl. It could be used like you could hide it under your fingernail and dip it into a drink of any kind and the poisonous is instantaneous after it reaches the victim's stomach so and the symptoms like he'll feel sour in his mouth due to hyperacidity of the stomach and there will be an abnormal flow of saliva in the mouth nausea and swimming of the head continued pain and weariness of the jaws a subsequent rigidity of the jaws movements abdominal colds heavy sweating vomiting etc unless you get a remedy for the drink, keeping another wine plant could be used as an antidote and also a piece of ivory or a glass of ivory perhaps is a neutralizer of the bone, like the poison. So if you stir it with ivory or have a thing of ivory. Isn't there a lot in there about it being also a common neutralizing agent being um, uh, rice water? So the water that you get from rinsing your rice? Sorry, the neutralizer? What the what of the poison you said? The neutralizing agent or like the antidote being derived from rice water in a few instances. There's three ways that you could counteract the poison as listed here. So there's to apply an emetic agent to the poison person to make them vomit. Obvi. Yeah. yeah. Two, to have the rootstock of the wand counteracting the poison with no specific name given. Um <laughs> and like in liquid form, pour it down their throat. And if they have rigidity of the jaws, have seven fresh field crabs pounded and mixed with water, pour the mixture forcibly down the victim's throat once only, they will revive instantly, 
have a cup of boiled ash pumpkin or white gourd water given to the sufferer to drink, and he will be cured from poisonous effects. See, that's the one that seems to hold the most weight and validity to me. That sounds very tried and true. For some reason, I trust that descriptor of an antidote. Maddie's yeah. nodding. Yeah. God, and also the effects. The, the description of how that stomach-destroying poison, like, just essentially your mouth gets filled with bile, and intense sal uh, salivating, starts salivating quite a lot, and then stomach convulsions and muscle cramping. Like, that is atrocious. Super poisoning. It's really, it's not good. Yeah. It's not a fun, I mean, there's not many fun poisons, save for, like, booze. But, like, most poison, like, it doesn't sound great, but that sounds just hardcore. There is also another folk practice of yasang in a different part of the country than the original place. And the ingredients from that yasang poison are practiced as follows. So the first one is bile from peafowl. Mm -hmm. The second one is a species of spider, smaller in size than a common spider, but with longer legs. Love that. Found in the hole in the forest or in a mountain cave. Okay, well, that's... Bile from Manghan, a species of small caterpillar, which gives severe smarting pain if touched. Ranghe fungus, which can be found wild on the ground with hangings like mesh of a net. Arsenic. Yeah, see, that's and all... acid in liquid form. <laughs> I remember when I first read this, like, a couple years ago, I pulled you aside and showed you that. I was like, Maddie, check out this, uh, this ingredients list for poison. Does one thing stand out for you more than the others? Because I feel like you just need one of those, and that's arsenic. Um, you can test whether a person is being poisoned with yasing if you let them eat a, wipe, a ripe watermelon. If he's relieved temporarily, it, is, it can be inferred that he was poisoned. Also, you could squeeze the fingernail of a person and see whether the blood runs to the bases of his nails. Mm -hmm. If, when releasing the pressure, the blood runs back slowly, it is a sign the person has been poisoned. Maddie, give me your nails. Let's test this out. So, pressed. Ow. Oh, it's moving pretty slowly, babe. Did you see that? Well, maybe I'm dehydrated. I've only had tea today. Um, no. You haven't? Have you eaten today? Yeah. Right. While I was out getting my hair chopped. Yeah. Good radio. Okay. So do you want to hear the two cases that somebody, another person that he got from, eyewitness? Sure do. Okay, case one. This is true crime. Buyer beware. Or what do you call it? I, I mean, know. I don't know. The depictions <laughs> like, of poison here. Yeah, I think you were trying to do a trigger warning, perhaps? Trigger warning. This is what it I is. I enjoyed buyer beware, though. That's good. Yeah, here we go. Case one. A young villager, strong and healthy, 22 of age, was in love with a girl from another village. I'm in love with the description of this young villager. Before his death, the young man had eaten boiled pumpkin at a girl's village. As you do. A few days later, he ate some meat curry with rice in his own village and had a convulsion with stiff jaws. He Aside died for instantly. the convulsion and stiff jaws, that sounds The young man, before Instant dying, death. had confided to his friends that he was in love with a, a girl in another village and had eaten boiled pumpkin there. The dead man's relatives suspected that the young man was poisoned by yasang, which had been sprinkled either on the pumpkin or on coconut shreds, mixed with a little salt and sugar to be eaten with pumpkin as a sweetmeat. The man who told the story was known by the author for a number of years, and the man's story was a bona fide one. Mm. That's it, yeah. Case number two. I love that. I love those, that, the citing of sources, and this is great. Okay, here we go. Case two. A man, 
an acquaintance of the author, living in the village Krut on the upper reaches of Tapai River, Surat province, came to consult the author for a certain ailment. He had a swollen abdomen and could not be cured by folk medicine. The author failed in his diagnosis of the disease. The sick man went to Bangkok as a patient of a certain hospital, but later on came back as an incurable and entered a hospital in Nakarn Sirithamarat. I cannot repeat that. And entered a hospital. Again, right. as an incurable, he went back to his home and died there. The villagers believe he had been poisoned with Yasang, and there was some gossip to the effect that the man had been poisoned by a certain person of that village. Gotta say, there was a lot of medical passing of the buck there, and that buck being a person. The dead man was a headman there, and had died through malice of one of the villagers. The author suspected that the man might have died of cirrhosis through hardening of the river. You mean liver? Liver. That was good. That was good. I like cirrhosis of the river, though, and I want to write a short story called that. That's very fun. Whoops. It's like a Neil Young song. He might perhaps have taken something which was injurious to that organism. Perhaps he might have drunk a large amount of Iraq or ardent spirit, which is generally found in the most outlying villages in Thailand. Or he had actually been poisoned by Yasang. No one really knew. Mm. So that's that. So that's delayed poisoning in Th- in Thailand, which is super interesting. And then we're talking about healing poisons from ancient China. To begin, we are talking about the, the idea poisons. of do. Do. Do you. So, in pre-modern China. Do I what? Do you. You yeah. already spelled it and then you said it. Yeah, I know, word. but then it I thought of like a sense. Laurel Hardy joke. It would be great. Uh, the, uh, it's still good. Isn't it? Roll with it. Uh. <laughs> in pre-modern China, the ability for poison to both harm and heal was central to the drug therapy of the time. This concept is What's illustrated. What's the time we're talking about? Medieval. Medieval China? Is that medieval and ancient, yes. Yeah. When is that? What's the medieval period in China? Well, I was about to say. All right. Well, that's what, it's a good thing I asked yeah. then because mm-hmm. now I'll, I'll find out. It's going through ancient and medieval China. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. This concept is illustrated in the term do, today the standard Chinese word for poison, according to the author Liu. Though it is currently means poison, the word had less toxic connotations in the past. Is that a is that a play on word for you? Yes. That's that's pretty good. I enjoy that. I saw you I saw a little glimmer as you read it. Well played. So like many interesting words, do possesses a duality of meaning. Liu gives us a story to present the concept at the beginning of their book, from the Han text historical records, which is Shiji ninety one BCE. Okay. So this is ancient China. After defeating the Qin army at the capital, Liu Bang, who later became the first emperor of the Han, was tempted to claim the luxurious palace of the routed Qin as his own home. One of his generals tried to persuade the greedy lord to abandon the idea, but to no one's avail. So, sorry, to no avail. I was going to say, it'd be one person's avail, probably. (laughs) At least one. An advisor named Zhang Lang then stepped up, admonishing Liu for indulging in the pleasures of victory, which would only continue the depravity of the regime he had just overthrown. Zhang urged Lord to heed the general's warning because honest words are unpleasant to hear but good for the action. Potent drugs are bitter to ingest but good for healing. Liu eventually took this advice. Can we get that one more time? That seemed like a pretty profound quote. Honest words are unpleasant to hear but good for action. Potent drugs are bitter to ingest but good for healing. Okay. So I mean, the, it's profound, but it's also kind of funny on the second listening. 
like potent drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Good to ingest. I mean, sure. I mean, I'm sure that's a loose interpretation or translation of the word drugs. I'm sure it has a lot more meaning contextually within the language. But then again, drugs also means a lot of different things in English. So We're actually going to talk a lot about the, the little etymology of this right now. So that's going to go right into what you just said. The etymology of do is interesting but complex, which isn't super surprising for a Chinese, as it has a more symbolic meaning to each character than, you know, English. Is there a regional uh, basis to this? Also, is there like a like a coastal do, like a mainland do? Is there a mountain do? Wow. Yeah, got there. I'm so annoyed because <laughs> then this is later going to... That is, there is actually relevant. There's a mountain do later? Firstly, before the Han Dynasty, Du could refer to a weapon made from poisons or the danger of a deadly animal. During the Han period itself, Du is defined as thickness, or Hu, which is further explained as thickness of lofty mountains. Mountain Du was the thickest one. Thickness. With the T-H-I-C-C? No. But, but did it ever travel down to, like, the lower peninsula? Like, perhaps along in the area of Baja. Was there a Baja Blast Du? A different source provides another connotation. Dew is compared to an invasive species of grass, with thickness being implied and its unrestrained poisonous growth. Mm. The dictionary divides the character into two parts, the top part being kiao, which means grass, and the bottom being ai, ai, ai hey. uh, meaning unvirtuous person. Oh. Combined, it conveys an oh. undesirable herb that engenders harm. A weed. Yeah. So what it does that like mean? Sounds like a creeping weed, yeah. In relation to medicine in particular. Uh, of the medicinal properties of plants. <laughs> Duya, which stands for poison in modern context, is composed of two characters referring to two different types of drugs. Potent ones, do, and mild ones, yao. The composite term is for drugs in general. For drugs in what? General. We find you in the first pharmacological text in China, the Divine Farmer's Classic of Materia Medica, which later becomes the Divine Farmer's Classic. Dear listeners, Maddie got, became the, she found that pep that was latent in her step upon reading that sentence. And yeah, I just you, love how scholarly this whole thing is. Uh, anyway, this is um, the person who wrote the Divine Farmer's Classic, the Divine Farmer <laughs> Shenog, was a mythical leader who at the dawn of civilization developed agriculture to benefit his people. Say the divine farmer Shinog? That's right. That's the author of the divine farmer. No, but farmer's the, that's, classic, that's classic. certainly, that can't be, that's a character from Dark Souls. That's not a... <laughs> he is also credited with discovering useful medicines. Now that was a genuine laugh. That was, I got you with that one. <laughs> which won him the reputation as the founder of drug therapy in China. According to an early Han source, the man tasted hundreds of herbs to identify suitable medicines for his followers and encountered <laughs> 70 potent substances each day. Okay. Trial Can... and error effort was an important role in the yes. accumulation of drug knowledge in early China. This is perfect. Can I go on a minor diatribe here? I mean... It's very related. How? And you'll like it, I swear. Okay. This reminds me, because this motherfucker just... Tested, he just ate every medicinal plant and tasted every day. elixir, just sampling everything to learn their, all their effects and chronicling them, yes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so there was a, a similar person, but in modern times, that developed a venom pain scale. So he went around, and not only did he get stung and bitten by every venomous insect, but he did it on every 
on every part of the body. So when you look at this scale, it has like nipple, elbow, ear, your lobe, upper eyelid, and then like what yeah. the creature was and what how bad it was on a scale of one to ten. But he also had, sorry, dear listener, penis tip, anus. It's like so okay. How wrecked is your body, man? You like <laughs> there were so many insects on this list that you apparently administered to like what's that day like? Where he's just like, all right, fire ants, you've really done a number on my toes. Nope. Time for the knee. Ooh. I wonder how Ooh, that's bad. He well, lived. Time for the nipple. Oh god. Time for the penis. Oh! <laughs> and also is there an assistant that's sitting there watching this? He must have antidotes to everything. I you there's no amount of antidote that can, because you also like the point of it is to find out how painful it is. Yeah, but you also don't want to die. No, yeah, truly. But I'm just saying that stuff that does cause scar tissue and scarring. So that begs another question: How long was this efficacious? Like until left nipple became so just eroded from venom. Anyway, that was my tangent, yeah, and I okay. thought it was good and very much related to what you were saying. It was related. Congratulations. The medical identity of the divine farmer was said to be a sage who lived in antiquity and possessed the true pristine knowledge of medicine. However, the actual author of the book is unknown. Regardless, the divine farmer's classic was foundational to the theory and practice of Chinese pharmacology. So, what's in there? Let's get in it. The divine farmer's classic contains 365 drugs like the number of days in a year, and divides them into three... I was gonna say that. ...hierarchical categories. What are those hierarchies, Maddie? Category one. Yeah? Lords. There are 120 kinds in here. And define what that means? Kinds of drugs. Lords are... Lords equals drugs? They govern the cultivation of life and correspond to heaven. So they do not possess any due. <laughs> Taking them in large amounts over time does not harm people. They prevent aging and prolong life. And so a lord is a type of drug. That's right. Okay. Hierarchy category two, ministers. 120 again in there. They govern the cultivation of human nature and correspond to man. Some of them possess due, others do not. You need to carefully know how to properly use them. If you wish to replenish the weak body and prevent illness, you may use the ministers. This is probably stuff like salt or iron or zinc, I'm assuming. Number three. Assistants and envoys, of which there are the remaining 125 20. kinds of drugs. Oh, 25 or 24? I thought there would be 165. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how many days are in a year. All right. They govern the curing of illnesses and correspond to Earth. Most of them possess do. One may not take them for long periods of time without suffering harm. They are meant to eliminate cold heat and devious key to break stagnation and to cure illness. So like head on, applied directly to the forehead would be in that. Therefore, a dew-possessing drug could both heal if used properly and fuck you up if it's not. Like head-on, applied directly to the forehead. Used for short periods with caution and stop as soon as you're better. So, to recap, lords all contain dew. No. no. All right, well, that's a good reason. <laughs> lords, <laughs> they do not possess dew at all. No dew. And ministers, ministers, some of them some, do, some of them don't. And then the last envoys most contain dew. Yeah. Okay. Opposite of what I thought was funny. Literally uh, exactly the opposite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get that now. Anyway. So the collected... lords are just like pure healing. There's no 
poisonous healing involved. Yeah, they're like basically vitamins, things to enhance and prolong life. Advil. Maybe Advil, or though Advil is strong on the liver, so Sprite. that would be probably the middle level. The collected annotations of Tao Hong Jing, 456 to 536, expands on the number of drugs to 730 and organizes the drugs from the Divine's Pharma Classic. So here are some interesting descriptions of the kind of drugs within both volumes, which are again divided into categories. We've got herbs and plants, which is more than half of them. Animal-derived products at around 20%. So like vellum or lard or ox gall. Yeah, or like bile. ox eyeball or bezoars. Yeah, Ooh, um, bezoars. Isn't them's the kidney stones, yeah? Yes. Yeah, Foods, shit. 14%, and minerals at 12%. So Tao also further divine due categorization. There's Food is 12%? 14. That's shockingly 12. low. Yeah. The healing food. Huh. But I guess, I guess I'm, and that actually makes sense when I think that uh, plants and flora are its own category outside of food. Yeah. Because I'm sure all of those are edible to some degree, I'm sure. And, but like if you were to combine that with the food, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So it's just like, what is the medicinal value of beef? Fine. <laughs> So there's three categorizations of dew now versus having it or not, which was in the Divine Farmer's Classic. So there's little dew, which is Zhao dew. There's possessing dew, which is you dew. And there's possessing great dew, that dew. And that's how you do the dew. Yeah. About a fifth of the drugs in collected annotations possess dew. And like in the Farmer's Classic, the majority of these drugs are in the bottom group of category. So in the envoys and... And messengers? Assistants. Oh, right, yeah. So the potent dew possessing drugs in the hierarchy include mercury, sulfur, and four kinds of arsenic compounds. Okay, that tracks. Tao also lists four kinds of aconite in his book, one of which, Fuzi, was the most frequently prescribed drug in classic Chinese pharmacy. It's also a lethal poison frequently used in murder in pre-modern China. Hey, it's like like the Sackler family of... (laughs) Ancient China. <laughs> and they have a, Lee has an, an historical example of that murder right here. So in yes. 71 BCE, at the capital of Western Han, Hua Jian, the wife of a powerful general at court, planned to murder Empress Zhu so as to seize the position for her daughter. At the time, the Empress was frail as Wait. she had just given birth to a child. Okay, never mind. Huo hired a female physician to prepare a medicine for the Empress to help her recover. Mm-hmm. The physician secretly mixed aconite, fuzi, into the medicine and presented it to the empress. On taking some of this medicine, quote-unquote, the empress complained of dizziness and accused the physician of poisoning her, which the latter denied. The empress's condition worsened quickly, leading to her death. The murder was cunning because of the use of aconite. You so, said alkanine? Aconite. Oh, is that a Chinese word? I don't know. It's A-C-O-N-I-T-E. Are you interested in yes, yes um, I am. more examples that are in this book, or do you want to move on to... No, I, I do want another example, because I'm playing my own little internal game here of trying to diagnose okay. and identify an actual poisoning, like, from, from all the examples we've heard so far today. 
So there's potent plants, including the bean from Ba, the fruit of an evergreen tree growing in the southwest that works as a strong purgative, the hooking of the throat, a poisonous vine from the south that could both kill and heal, the half-summer, the tuber of an herb that is harvested in summer, the seed of derangement, a hallucinogenic plant that could both induce and cure mania. So the uses of these drugs are warming the body, breaking stagnation, eliminating I swear swelling. God, seed of derangement is just straight up an inventory item in Bloodborne. Like this, <laughs> this is great. And facilitating movement. Drugs in the animal-derived group are also diverse. Not surprisingly, snakes appear here. Their gallbladders are particularly valued for healing. That kind of shit always blows my mind. For example, in the arts, we use ox gall as a wedding agent. So for those that don't know, a wedding agent is essentially something you would use in watercolor to increase like the flow of your pigments. So if you want your red to go farther and have that more liquidy spread out look of watercolor on a paper, you would pre-apply ox gall. That would make your paper or substrate more ready to absorb it. And then you'd go to town on it. But my thing is, how the fuck did we learn that? Who tried that first? And like, <laughs> well, maybe it was the Chinese because in another important drug in the group is ox yellow, knowing, which refers to what... bovine bezars, ox gallstones. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got it nailed down to the ancient Chinese. That still doesn't answer my question. My question wasn't who tried it first. I'm just why and how I, many. I think th- you just say who though. Well, yeah, I meant like name. Give me a person. What was that person like? Now I know they were an ancient Chinese person. I guess that (laughs) helps in some way. Placed in the top tier and divine as possessing little do. The Bezoars. The drug pharmacist to quell frenzy and pacify the mind. The popularity of this medicine is attested to by its exorbitant price and the proliferation of Ursat's products during Tao's time. So it was like the original pharma, bro. The most mysterious item in the group of animal-derived drugs is the feathers of a bird called Zen, which were believed to possess great dew. These special feathers could effectively counter snake poison. They were so poisonous that any alcohol into which they were dipped could kill a person instantly. Jesus Christ, these are feathers? In fact, alcohol laced with Zen feathers was so notorious that the word has become a synonym for poison, as used in the popular idiom, drinking Zen to quench thirst. Yin Zin Zi Ke. I don't know how to say that in Chinese, but Do it's... we know of any... Uh, the identity I've... of the bird, however, remains murky. Okay. Yeah, sorry. That's where I was already going, and I knew I was overstepping myself. That's so Not interesting, right? the identity of this bird murky. Are there other... Are there poisonous birds? I don't know. Did you look at that? Apparently, that's I've never thing. heard of... I mean... It's the feathers of a bird. Okay, really so my gut instinct here is to think that this is somehow a mistranslation or an exaggeration over time. Or maybe it was an ancient bird virus. You said what? Maybe it's an ancient bird virus that was poisonous to humans that couldn't be transferred unless you ingested it. Like a bird flu? Yeah. That's really interesting. Did you hear my idea, though? That it was a moth? Yeah. Could be a moth. I really like yours. Damn, we're smart. I mean, we're just speculating wildly. Yeah, about spe- what it could it's be. just wild and un- untethered conjecture. But I think, like maybe, like maybe we solved this. <laughs> maybe we should contact. I don't know. So let's move on Joe to a Rogan. different kind, and it sounds really similar. But we've been talking about do d u. We have now. We're talking about the illness and practice of goo, g u. <laughs> 
So. Is, is Gwyneth involved? A popular saying. Nothing. Nothing for that? <laughs> oh, Goop. That's Goop. She has I goop. know it's Goop. Almost. It's almost. But her thing. first company was Goop. No. You gotta do the goo. So, a popular saying today aptly summarizes the logic guiding the use of potent drugs in medieval China. Sorry, we want to say that last part again? The use of potent drugs in medieval China. Okay. Use poison to attack poison. Yeah. Yi uh, du gong du. So. That's the phrase? Yeah. Yi du gong du? Yep. Y-I-D-U-G-O-N-G-D-U. Wow. I'm also now remembering that a lot of uh, Mandarin and Chinese language, like, oh, not a lot of. We have no it's, idea which dialect no, of Chinese this is. That's fair. But regardless, uh, it's all very inflection heavy. So I just said that phrase in about six different inflections. And so I probably oh, said. Oh, we're totally wrong. Oh, we're Everything so that wrong. I've said is totally wrong. Everything's wrong. Because I, I can't hear the difference at no, all. No. And I, I don't I would, know what, like, level of vowel they're using. I'd go all. as far as to say that everything I've said in these two seasons has been wrong. Yes. Although the expression first appeared in a 13th century text, the idea it conveys has much deeper roots. 13th f- century BCE? No, 13th century is in 13th century. There's two. They would have said BCE after. I had to ask, because China's old as shit. The first poison in the phrase refers to potent medicines. The second designates poisoning and illness in general. The word yeah. attack... Gong carries two meanings. First, it expresses the violent nature of the remedy. Because sickness is obstinate, one must apply powerful drugs to eradicate it. Second, the word implies a specific and concrete target that the medicine can latch onto and destroy. The logic of potent treatments was thus linked to a particular way of understanding illness. That is, physicians prescribe poisons as powerful weapons to eliminate tenacious illnesses that often assume concrete forms, be they demons or goo vermin. These malignant entities, which either attack the body from the outside or ravaged it from within, can induce severe symptoms and trigger deadly epidemics. Poisons were thus used to strike these violent beings and purge them from the body. That was the whole thing. Was you said about. epidemics? Yeah. So epidemics like, of demons and goo poisonings, uh, like on a micro level. Yeah. It's amazing. So these physicians had an incredibly intimate and in-depth knowledge of how these poisons, these numerous and varied poisons, affected the human body down to a very micro and specific way yes but of course it was rooted in medieval knowledge about what was causing an illness and then also what the drugs do to that illness true but just as an outsider looking in and with this very brief synopsis overview that you've laid out it seems like their understanding of the cause effect of certain herbs poisons elements how they affected the body was much more sophisticated than the for medieval Europe, the four humors of like black bile, yellow bile, blood and piss or whatever it was. Yeah, they actually, a lot of them are targeted towards specific organs, but yeah. I, it's not clear whether or not those organs actually did that thing or if it's just the belief of the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, even that, that's still like light years beyond. Like the liver and the heart and then whatever. Exactly. So a collection of tales and miracles compiled between the 5th and 6th centuries presents the following story. So, Zhu Yang, an officer in central China, had a brother who had been suffering from pains in the heart and abdomen for more than a decade. Zhu called the fam- famous doctor Li Ziyu. 
The night before the doctor arrived, a demon appeared and whispered to the demon that had been residing in the abdomen of Zeus's sick brother. Why don't you kill them quickly? Otherwise, Li Zhu will use his red pill to strike you to death. The demon in the abdomen replied, I am not afraid. Next morning, Li showed up. Upon observing the patient, the doctor declared that Zeus's brother had contracted a demonic illness. He then took out a medicine called Red Pill of Eight Poisons from his drug box, asked Zeus's brother to ingest it. In no time, a thundering sound arose from the abdomen of the patient, who then had multiple discharges. <laughs> After that, he was cured. I know what you want to say is, Tucker, don't comment on the multiple discharges. But the thing is... I'm glad that they said that instead of something else. Were you not? I wasn't even going to go there this time. Instead, I wanted to say, do you see how clearly this reflects and relates to the gin magic? Oh, yeah, the 100%. It's incredible. It's another ancient, so, like, such ancient um, civilizations have, like, the same kind of... Well, there's that harmony between medicine collective and... Collective human consciousness. Medicine and theology. I mean, more, much more so in the folklore or superstition that deals with spirituality Mm -hmm. is what i mean to be saying the spiritual component of it being a very real and pertinent aspect of the diagnosis and understanding of the illness i mean that it it, is cross-cultural i mean we certainly did did a lot of that in western europe with exorcisms Exorcisms. and shit like that but those also occur across cultures and time periods okay it's awesome So in the book on the origins and symptoms, as well as in the Divine Farmer's Classic, they talk about a category of illness called goo, which refers to either the manipulation of virulent vermin. I really don't want to laugh at just a word, another word, but it's it's a good word, goo. I'm probably saying it wrong. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. There's probably like a better vowel sound. I hope not. I hope it's goo. The illness begins from concrete entities like worms or demons that could attack the body both inside and out. So worms are showing up for a second week? Here again, poisons are used to target and destroy the malevolent presence in the body and cure the victim. So let's go into both. Just like the worms. Demonic infestation, guizu, comes from I couldn't tell you. A word that refers to the various spirits of benevolent or nefarious natures, and zu meaning the pouring in. We could so be the spirit of an animal or it's a possession. Thing. Right? What? It's possession then. It's spirits pouring in. Yeah. Possession. We could be the spirit of an animal or an inanimate thing, but in medical texts, it is often the disquieted spirit of the deceased haunting the living or demonic entities that assault the body. So, so an inanimate thing is similar to. Animal an, or inanimate thing. Yes. Animal or inanimate, but it, the inanimate idea also reminds me of in Japan we've talked about before kitsune no not kitsune um fox spirit possession no we're talking about inanimate objects that are incarnations of uh spiritual like sukugami no yokai Yokai. there it is yokai yokai is a really general term though yeah sukugami is like the reanimation ghost of like an object that was previously well left anyway what was i saying you were talking about, you were, you defined possession. Oh, right. The symptoms were varied and serious, and often led to the death of the individual. In Taoist terms, the demonic possession sickness was entwined with the moral conduct and hereditary conduct of previous ancestors, rather than just a surge of bad luck, which it kind of was before. The other type of 
goo illness is goo poison, which is even more fun. So, the menace of the goo drew the attention of medical writers. In his On the Origins and Symptoms, Chao Yung Feng dedicates a scroll to the discussion of various illnesses caused by goo. One of the most elaborate accounts of the deadly poison in medieval China, he defines it as follows. There are many types of goo poison, all of which are a key of change and delusion. There are people who deliberately manufacture goo. They often catch creatures like worms and snakes, use a vessel to store them, and leave them to freely devour each other. The only thing that remains in the vessel is called goo. I am thoroughly derailed by the thought that is this where the title for the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comes from? What? Oh, it's Secret of the Ooze, not Goo. Oh, Never okay. Mind. That was I was very confused because you were making a joke. Yeah, Sorry. I was. <laughs> I thought it was. The I thought I was going to get goo. a cool reaction to the thing about the only thing remaining in the vessel is the poison, but never mm-hmm. mind. The only thing that remains in the vessel is called goo. It can then change and become the source of delusion. Eaten following alcohol and food, it afflicts people with disaster. The affliction of others in turn brings fortune to the owner of goo. Therefore, untrammeled outlaws store and worship goo. There's also flying goo, which comes and goes without reason, with its, the hidden state like a demonic key. People who are afflicted by it suddenly contract severe illnesses. Oh, wow. This is going to tie in very well to next week. Those who are hit by goo-induced illnesses often die. Wow, goo-induced illnesses is also a very powerful phrase. Because of its great power of poisoning and harmoning, it is called goo poison. Child identifies two basic characteristics of goo. The first is in its power to change. I thought the first one was going to be icky, and the second one was sticky. <laughs> it is. It's... <laughs> Animals that devour each other until they're sticky goo of poison. Uh, This quality is already visible in some of the early accounts of goo, where it is imagined to assume various animal forms. What is different in Chow's description is in his use of the amorphous key to replace concrete creatures, a move consistent with the centrality of key as an explanatory framework in his writings. Sorry. You got a little quiet and performative there, and I missed (laughs) the... The what? Goo seems to be a, a bit of a MacGuffin. Yeah, 100%. Goo is essentially the reality stone from Thor 2 that's just like a red blood mist that mm-hmm. later on is just a rock. Yep. It's also inside Natalie Portman. Like, they really couldn't figure out what they wanted that to be. It's all the things. It's all, everything. Okay. The to, second is Goo's power to dilute. The sense of Goo. Dil- this oh, sense of Goo dilute? is linked to the seductive danger of women in ancient texts, as discussed before. The association of goo with women is not explicit in Chow's account, but what is clear is that goo develops out of the destructive intention of his creators. Isolate that line. The destructive nature of goo and women is not clear. (laughs) (laughs) Because there is always a vicious mind behind each goo poisoning, the cure not only concerned the healing oh. of the individual body, but of the restoration of social order by eliminating the goo poisoners. It, it goes back to that old adage of uh, poison is a woman's weapon. 100%. It's yeah. also associated with witchcraft after the Han period. Of course. Which is a great story. Here we go. Shamanistic. All right, also, was that a pun? What? Was that a pun? What did I say? Which is a great story? No, I didn't make it on purpose. But you did make it. Apparently. Yeah. Your body language. You you have found that pep. Witchcraft. Yay. Okay. 
specifically the term shamanistic goo or woo goo apparently appeared frequently referring to various methods of black magic that were deployed to harm the victim in an often recounted episode that took place during the western han period a trusted officer of emperor emperor woo who ranged from 141 to 87 bce accused the prince and damn that's a long fucking reign yeah that's good good work an heir apparent of preparing a type of goo witchcraft that operated through a wooden puppet so as to make the emperor sick. Enraged by the accusation, the prince executed the officer, which further aroused this emperor's suspicion. A bloody clash at the court ensued, leading to the death of thousands of courtiers and eventually the suicide of the prince. Look, that got out of hand. The event became a watershed in the history of the Han Dynasty, resulting in a reshuffling of political power and a sea change in the intellectual culture of the court. Wow. That's really interesting. I would like to just dig into this. But I, Maddie's given me her sixth, at least, uh, indication of uh, witch fingers, which makes me think that she is ready and rearing to go onto something a little bit more esoteric. Oh, there's another one that's even, it's so much better. Later sources offer more vivid accounts of goo witchcraft. A particular type of goo called the cat demon. Okay. Arose during the Sui Dynasty and exerted profound influence on the political culture of the time. Yeah, the cats end up doing that a lot. So apparently, cats uh, in general I, I, were feared by the higher echelons of Chinese society. So, like, if they imported cats from India for like domestic use, they were like, "Oh yeah, cool, they catch mice." But like wild cats were essentially like supposed to be really evil, and people were definitely afraid of them and had like they had like demonic, as they fucking should be. Like wild cats presence. are one of my biggest fear. Yeah. I'm from Southern California. The amount of fucking mountain lions that just like the amount of stories I heard about like little Timmy was walking with his aunt and then she got fucking got by a mountain lion that dragged her up into a tree and then ripped her neck open. They are scary as fuck. I think there are tiny cats, though, because like wild oh, so cats they... were believed to be sly, unpredictable and inauspicious, often possessing uncanny powers. So different than what I was just talking about. I mean, it's unclear whether or not they have big cats or if they just have tigers. tiny cats. Tigers in China. Yes, I guess they must, huh? They certainly do. Yeah. Tigers are pretty, though. Yeah, and tigers will fuck up. Yeah, 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 they will. It's true. Maybe they just saw what was going on in Egypt and like, I don't want anything to do with that. Anyway, there's another historical example of a cat demon. Is there? Yes. You seem very excited. So... An episode in the late 6th century, during the reign of Emperor Wen, so that was between 581 and 604. Wait, so now we're into... A later episode. Yeah, okay. In we're, history. We're way, we're way later. Yes. Right. So uh, the cats took some time off. Yes. Alright. So, Dugu Tuo, an official at the court, was interested in the sinister way. Early on... His mother-in-law wor- worshipped the cat. Like NFTs? <laughs> worshipped the cat demon and introduced the sorcery into Dugo's household. Later, the empress and the wife of a high-ranking general named Yang Shu both fell sick. When physicians were summoned, they all diagnosed it as an illness characteristic of the cat demon. Considering Dugu's special position, he was the half-brother of the empress, and his wife was the half-sister of the general. The mm-hmm. emperor questioned him in private. But Dugu denied any involvement. Involvement. Still involvement. suspicious and unhappy with his reluctance to cooperate, the emperor dispatched a group of officers to investigate the case. Eventually, they identified a maid in Dugu's house named Zhu Ani, 
Okay, enough of this. The maid always gets the best. Oh, the maid's a witch, huh? Who came from the family of Dugu's mother-in-law, who worshipped the cat demon. She confessed that she worshipped the cat demon and possessed the power to conjure up the spirit, which could kill a person and secretly transfer the property of the victim to the murderer. You know what? Quick side note. Yeah. It's pertinent. Go ahead. Have you noticed anything that's different about today's recording? No, what? Who has been uncharacteristically absent this entire time? Oh, the cat. There's no cat. No. Weird. So, and we're talking about cat demons. Yeah. Though I Guilty have been able to fucker. mostly keep him out of the recorder. recordings. Oh, that's a shame. I like his little guest spots. Well, I think I have one or two in there somewhere. Possibly. Anyway, yeah, that little fucker is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> anyway, she further admitted that early on, Dugu asked her to cast the cat demon curse on the empress and the general's wife so he could seize their riches. And so she did. After hearing her confession, one officer asked the maid to summon the cat demon back. At midnight, she set up a bowl of fragrant porridge and tapped on it with a spoon. She then called out, Come, cat lady, don't stay in the palace anymore. After a while, her face turned completely pale, and she acted as if she was being pulled by someone. She announced that the cat demon had returned. Upon hearing the results of the investigation, the emperor severely punished Dugu and his wife. So, that's that. Was that an incantation or an actual poison? But I guess goo is much more So, it was like the goo poison was transferred into a malignant animal spirit, and then you know, set on someone else. So, so to recap, do is like a physical, corporeal, not corporeal, but a physical, tangible poison that we can ingest and gives other people. No, the do is the potency, the potency and characteristic of potent drugs. Ah, do is a metric. A categorization, yes. Ah, okay. And whereas goo is much more esoteric. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a type of poison and illness. Yes, but do, I guess in current, the current word has do in it. For The current word for poison has do in it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. 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 All right. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. On the origins and symptoms, the sweet physician explains that the cat demon is the spirit of old wild cat turned into a demon and attached to human beings. So malicious people store and worship the demon a typical way of manipulating goo, to harm others. The symptoms of a cat demon attack are piercing pains in the heart and the abdomen. The demon would devour the viscera of the victim, leading to death from spitting or discharging blood. That sounds just like the... It sounds shockingly similar to the effects of a physical cat attack. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being Devouring honest. Devouring the viscera? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a cat does that? Yeah, Maddie. Oftentimes, when you're attacked by a tiger, it's going to eat your insides. I guess so. Yeah. You ever seen those cute little punums of the, like, Serengeti lions? Hmm. Their faces are usually buried, like, nuts deep in the tummies of, like, elk. Not elk. They don't have elk. What do they got? Antelope. There we go. Anyway, that's all I have on cat demons. I that's just the wanted... end. Yeah, that's the end. And then I was Hard thinking... Hard stop. There's... Well, I just explained what it was. I know. I know. It was a hard stop for me because I got so elevated there talking about bloody cat punums. I thought a good thing to end that part of it would be a quote by the history of the Sui from the 7th century. Um, 
as demons are conjured by humans, killing those conjurers will terminate demons. So, so you're propagating witch hunting. Well, yeah, that's how you're ending this. I wouldn't say propagating. Mm, I would. I'm saying the quote of where they were with the cat demon. So like in the story, there was like the maid that set the cat demon. So then if they got the maid, then the demon would stop, which is what happened. But she uh-huh. just summoned it and then she didn't die. But the people who were punished were Dugu and his wife, which were the original people that told the maid to do it. So it's not really the maid that suffered. It was the person. Well, yeah, no, it's the it's the story of time memoriam of the witch just getting the fucking short end of the stick well, that's what people. i'm saying is that she was fine but the people who told her to do it yeah are not fine oh huh. so they got the people okay well so they got the out. people who ordered her to yeah, do it they got the ringleaders they- and then they just said please summon the cat back and she did and then yeah. nothing bad happened to her apparently well that's not the norm not the norm no Thank you so much for taking us through the history of goo and do and teaching me how to do the do in all these fun, fun, and interesting ways. It's been a delightful experience. I like it because it's like poisoning and poisoning adjacent. Healing poisoning. I mean. And herbal medicine. It's been pretty poison-centric. Poison-centric. I don't think you've been adjacent at all. Well, healing poisons are kind of adjacent because they're used as like medicine, which is interesting. Suppose, but we really didn't get into the nitty gritty. I mean, we uh, we did. I don't know. It, yeah, it was just very poison centric. I'd say. I don't know if I would agree with dancing around the topic. We yeah, I guess in, we did. We dug into it. Yeah. Anyway, if you have any medieval poisoning stories or cool herbal stories that you want to send, or pronunciation corrections. Oh my god, so much pronunciation that you would like to send. Um, you can send it to addstoryteller at gmail also, you can make requests. I can also, you can slip into, You can slip into my DMs on the ADD Storytelling Podcast Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. At ADD Storytelling Podcast that Tucker runs with amazing um, descriptions and images for each episode. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. I think do they're really, good. They do a really good job. You're really good at it. Anyway, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Once again, it means the world to us that you come here. Spend an hour with us every week and, I don't know, learn some shit right alongside me. Until next week when you Next week is a tuckered fu- out I'm episode. you out of fucking school. See you then, though. But, Maddie, thank you for all your hard, hard work. You're just rock solid, <laughs> tight, taut, firm Robert Pattinson in a bat suit style work this week. Oh, thank you. It was steamy. It was slimy. It was gooey, and now I feel like I need a jade egg. But thank you, Maddie. <laughs> From goop. Yeah. <laughs>